We stand at the edge of this new year. These 365 days in front of us. And instead of letting them blow by us, we look each of them in the eye. And one by one. We live them with intention. 365 days of sheer purpose. Each lived like it's the only day we've got. What if I live every day like no other day is owed to me? I'd reach out to my dad, make things right before it's too late. On my sister's birthday this year, I'd call instead of text. I would wake up in the morning and I would ask God what He wants me to do. I'd take those vacation days I still haven't used. Instead of inviting her to coffee, I'd invite her to church. Make myself get up early so I can watch cartoons with my kids. I'd give myself a break. I would take her to that park she's been wanting to go to, the one that's all the way across town. I'd say I love you, and I'd say it every day. On Thanksgiving, my table would be open to the whole neighborhood. Mother's Day would mean more than a $5 card. I'd let God have all the stuff weighing me down. I'd have more courage, because I'd have nothing to lose. I would take Jesus seriously when he asked us to feed the hungry. Serve the very least of these. Look after the sick. I'd be quicker to forgive because He forgave me. Living every moment with intention. Taking every purpose by the horns. Leaving nothing unsaid. Leaving nobody behind. Making every minute count. I would use every hour I had on this earth. To love God. To love others. One intentional day at a time. One intentional day at a time. So my challenge for us today is, what are you intentionally achieving? What are your intentional goals? Or do you just go through life unintentionally, without necessarily looking at what you want to achieve, be, or do? Just, you'll get there in the end. I wonder if you have made any New Year's resolutions. I wonder, the whole thing about it being a new decade passed me by until I started having to write it down and correct it and start again. All of those things. But this new decade, what does it offer you? What are your hopes and dreams as this new decade has begun? What's in store for us as a church fellowship as we start this new day, this new week, this new year, new decade What are your hopes and dreams for what you want to do and achieve with your time? I read um, some research this week, um, which was uh, written and commissioned for church leaders, looking into why do church leaders struggle to get people to volunteer, to spend time? Because we talk now about it being a time poor Uh, community that we live in, that we've all got, we don't have enough time to do things. And interestingly, this study showed that actually we live in a time when there is far more spare time, leisure time for people than there has ever been, ever been. When you think about it, the 70-hour week was the norm not so long ago, maybe about 50, 60 years ago, that would have been the norm. And so I wonder what's kind of come into place that we have now not enough time to do anything. We always seem to be running out of time of what we want to be able to do. And this made me think quite a bit about some of the choices that we make in our life. And I remember that when I was young, 
a long time ago now, that um, hobbies, um, we were always very encouraged to have hobbies, but there were things like knitting, sewing, crocheting, um, a bit of gardening, maybe growing some vegetables, that type of thing. And that was the range of hobbies that was on offer for people. And generally, it was about things that needed to be done. Things that needed to be fixed or grown, or if you wanted new clothes or jumpers, you had to knit them or make them. There was a purpose intended for that particular hobby. If you had a bike, it was to get you from A to B. It wasn't a leisure activity. And I can, you know, some people did. I know Hazel tells me lots of stories of when um, she used to cycle all over the place with Ray uh, as a Sunday afternoon thing to do. But I remember having a conversation with my granddad who used a bike for his painting and decorating business. And he used to have his ladders out the back with all the paint hanging off the side and driving down the road. And that was, his bike was part of his work tools. It wasn't something that you did for a leisure activity. And it's interesting now when you think about our leisure activities and our hobbies and our spare time and what we want to do with them and how quite often we don't want them to be related to anything um, to do with work or commitments or responsibility. And I grew up in a house that didn't have a TV until um, I was much older, mainly because we lived abroad and there was no channels and English on and that kind of thing. And I am so very thankful that I grew up in that place. When I look at now, parents are having to put limits on screen time and limit how much time people are in front of children, uh, in front of the TV or in front of iPads or, or things like that. It's a different thing, a different world, isn't it, of what um, needs to happen with children and how they spend their times and the things that they do to entertain themselves. And I was thinking over Christmas... I grew up, as I say, in a house without TV. Then I went to boarding school, and there was, like, one TV, which all the older girls kind of dominated, so you didn't really get a look in unless you are in the sixth form and all that kind of thing. And then I thought, over Christmas, we have Netflix. Well, we don't. We use Steve's sister's account. And um, we um, have got Virgin Media. And um, I've had an Amazon account for quite a few years because you get free delivery on books. So I've always thought that was worthwhile for me paying. And only last year did I realize you got free films and TV programs with it as well. So, uh, and because there was a, a free offer on over December, we had free Sky Cinema to watch all the films. So over the last couple of weeks, if we wanted to watch a film, pretty much between Netflix, Sky Cinema, and Amazon, we were able to find a film, or the film exactly what we wanted to watch, and just start watching it then. What a choice. And I, you know, put a few logos, a few other ones that you might have, but you think about the choice of TV programs, and I think it was a Bruce Springsteen song, wasn't it? You know, and actually, there's quite a lot of rubbish on the TV, isn't there? <laughs> it's a real struggle sometimes to find something good to watch. So I wonder if it is about time being the issue, or is it about choice? Christmas is just gone. Anybody play games with your family over Christmas? Or anybody have a ban on playing games with family and friends? That kind of thing. So, but, you know, I grew up, it was Monopoly, Cluedo, Mousetrap was a real treat. Where might have been cars, that kind of thing. Mexican train. Mexi oh, but that wasn't around when you were little, was it? We like Mexican train as well. A domino game, for those of you who don't know. Anybody know Dice in Portsmouth and South Sea, the games cafe? Yeah, no? Yeah, I only does it. 
you haven't seen it, Becky goes, Sam goes, we've been a couple of times. They have, so you go there, uh, you pay a couple of pounds, I think, to be there, and there's tea, coffee, um, and you can buy food and stuff. But then you, your whole idea of going there is that you can play games, either with people you go with or other people that are there. They have 5,000 games, boxed games. So it's all board games, not electronic games, it's all boxed games. 5,000 games that you can choose from. And most of the staff know how to play most of them. I was really amazed by that. So choice is what I'm trying to say. The amount of choice that we have, of how we spend our time and what we do with it, I wonder is actually the issue, not that we don't have enough time. When I think of myself and some of the things that I've, I've thought, right, I can do that, and different craft things I might have bought, or books that I might have bought, or things that we've planned to do, and I never actually have enough time to get around to do them. Because actually, I, I want to do so much in my spare time, and that's part of uh, one of the things I am going to do this year, this decade, is think, well, actually, I'm going to narrow my choices down because actually you start to feel a bit dissatisfied that you don't get to do some of the things that you wanted to do. So I wonder, do we actually just have too much time? How we spend our resources, how we spend our time, our money, all of those things start to have so many options. But the thing is, and the point about being intentional is, do you do the things that you really want to do, or do you just slip into doing them? When you think, actually, I want to do X, Y, Z, but then it doesn't actually happen, is it because you've let other things take our time, and we haven't been intentional? I'm being very generalistic here, but I'd like to suggest that maybe 80 years ago, 100 years ago, there wasn't so much choice, and therefore it was easier to get some things done that needed to be done. But now we have choice for our spare time, choice for what we, how we spend our money, choice for what we buy and don't buy, that actually that is the issue facing our generation. Because the thing is, what you spend your time doing, what you spend your money on, what you spend your time talking about is the thing that you are. And I'll go one step further and say, it shows what you worship. It shows what's important to you. What you want to do, what you spend your time doing, is how other people get to know you. I was listening only yesterday, actually, to um, somebody preaching, saying <coughs> excuse me, that um, if you um, could have five things said about you, what would they be? If you're being intentional about your life, would you know the five things that are really important to me? If I was being so intentional that you could describe me in five words because you know those are the things that are really important to me. Sadly, at funerals, people talk about the person that's died. You know, a eulogy, and they give a list of the things that they've done in their lives and the things that were important to them. And I wonder, are those the things that they wanted to have said about them? Are they the things that they meant for their life to be and to be represented about? And again, it just made me start to think about, are we intentional about what we do with our time, with our money, with our resources, and what we worship, and how we're known or known by? And so I wonder, our choices 
Do they show what we worship? Now, I would like to be honest and say, actually, some of the choices that I make don't actually demonstrate or describe what I worship. They may be to what other people think about me, but it's not what I intended because there are things that I got involved with or things that I did. But our choices ultimately, I would argue, represent what we worship, what's important to us because we have given our time to it. Does that make sense? You're following us? Excellent. We all like a little bit of routine, don't we? And uh, at some point, you need to have routine. You need to have that kind of thing to keep us going. Because routine is something that allows us, us to function. But when we start doing something, very quickly it becomes a habit. And then when we have that habit, it becomes a way of life. And then you want to change a habit. Anybody ever try to give up smoking? I've never been a smoker, but I try and give up sweets regularly, and I find it really hard because it's a very habit thing for me to do, to have a bit of sugar during the day. And it's really hard to break habits when we let them, just little choices, happen day by day, day by day. Think about your morning routine. You wake up. How do you wake up? What do you do? You know, each of us have our own routine, and each of them will be different. Do you go straight in the shower? Do you have a breakfast? Do you go for a walk? Do you exercise? Do you have tea, coffee, juice? Each of us has a routine that we do. Have you tried to do something new in that routine? It might be that you're eating something different that you've never eaten for breakfast before. You've got a new exercise regime going on. Or somebody is in the house that wasn't expected either by retirement or people coming to stay, and it throws your routine, something new happening, and you kind of either have to learn a new habit or you're just trying to cope because your routine has changed. Little habits that we do are become, habit, become a way of life and in ways allow us to have that this is our worship, this is our life. And so my question for you today and our challenge as we start this new year is, what do you want to achieve by the end of the year? Where do you want to be? Because if you're not going to be intentional about it, I would argue that you might be a little bit frustrated at the end of the year. I looked up a couple of definitions of worship. What is worship? And this was one an extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem. Maybe not such a familiar one, but I thought that this was quite interesting when we think about the things like maybe music or a hobby or TV or social media use, those types of things. Maybe even our family members and friends that we want to spend a lot of time with we can see that actually we might be guilty of worshipping them when they are the sole act of our devotion or the object of our esteem. And sometimes doing the things that we like to do or that seem the easiest thing to do is helpful, isn't it? Because A, it's usually easier, it's less demanding, it might be fun, it might be something that we get pleasure from doing, those types of things. So it's something that is easy for us to fall into without thinking about, am I intentional about the choices that I'm making? What about this description of worship or definition of worship? 
to honour or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. And this one might seem more familiar to us as we think about God as a divine being, that we show reverence to him, that we want to worship him with our heart, mind, and our souls. And it's easy to do that on a Sunday morning, isn't it? We're here, we've sacrificed our time, we're here, we want to sing, we want to praise him, and we want to worship him. Of course we understand what worship is all about. But worship is a 24-7 activity. It's not just singing, it's not just praying, it's about every aspect of our lives. One of my highlights for this Christmas I shared at the prayer meeting on Thursday is uh, when the Portsmouth Academy girls came, and I wasn't girls, were girls and boys, uh, that came to help at the food bank. And they'd been collecting uh, for several months, and then they bought all of their food here, they sorted it all out, and then they helped with putting it on the shelves, distributing it, putting hampers together, and all that type of thing. And then at the end of it, some of them were saying about how good it was and how they'd enjoyed it, and how the feelings that they had inside of them, knowing that they were helping other people, made them feel good, and that they enjoyed it. And I just went, yeah, let's just think about that a little bit. What does that tell you about how we're designed as human beings to serve, to help one another? Is that not worship? And what Jesus and the Bible talks about as we get to know him. So I wonder if the whole concept of what we're prepared to sacrifice is what we want and what we intentionally or unintentionally worship. Well, luckily, the Bible has something in it for us to explain a little bit about that. And Jesus gives us really strong direction about how to be intentional with our lives. And he's there with some religious leaders of the day who are starting to um, be upset, shall we say, with Jesus and his teachings and the way he's explaining the scriptures to people. And they want to try and trick him. They want to try and undermine him so that people won't listen to him. And their way of doing things is sustained. And so the Pharisees go and talk to him, and they gave him some questions about tax to see if that would, t- if that would trick him up, and he would end up blaspheming or saying some things that he shouldn't do. And when he explained, the people were amazed. And they were So their plan had failed. In fact, people were more amazed at what Jesus was saying and doing. And then the Sadducees come along, and they were talking to Jesus around the doctrine of resurrection. Again, they were trying to trick him. They wanted him to say something which would be blasphemous, which would be against the scriptures, and therefore they could report him to the religious leaders. And then the people were astonished with what they heard. And so we pick up the story in Matthew when the Pharisees go. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang 
on these two commandments. This is the foundation for the Christian life. This is the intentional life that Jesus calls us into. This is the life that if we've devoted ourselves to Jesus and we're saying we worship God, this is what should represent our life and everything that we are about. It's been said that there were 10 commandments. In fact, I think there were over 300 laws that came out of the commandments for the Israelites to follow. But the 10 commandments you might be more familiar with. And maybe we found them just a little bit too hard to follow. So Jesus summed them up into two. Love God, love your neighbors. And if you look at the first five of them, they're all about how we love God and honor God. And the second five are all about how we love one another and love our neighbors. So Jesus beautifully wraps up this message of love and sums it up in these two commandments. I don't want to get any of this wrong, so I'm just going to look at my notes here. And after this occasion, when Jesus is being quizzed, the next time that the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the religious leaders of the day will be in the Garden of Gethsemane and they will accuse him. And then later, when they've had their way and he's on the cross, they will mock him. And while they are doing that, they will know, Jesus will know, and we now know that Jesus is the answer to that question of which commandment is the greatest. Jesus knew and he demonstrates his intentions of fulfilling a worshipful and sacrificial life and that Jesus' arrest, trial and crucifixion are precisely the way in which Jesus is fulfilling these two great commandments. This is how Jesus came to rescue his people and the greatest commandment, to love God above all else and to love our neighbours is demonstrated to us by this symbol and this picture. Whenever we look at this cross, we're reminded of these two great commandments, to love God and to love one another. When we share in the bread and the wine, we're remembered that the greatest commandments are to love God and to love one another. The commandment, the intentional life for a Christian is one of love. Jesus was intentional about his ministry and his life and his worship. He was intentional about loving God and people knowing that love to the point of giving his life so that others can be set free from what hinders them. His challenge to us was that our heart would be renewed. Not just our outward actions looking like we're doing all the right things, but that inside we are renewed, we are revived, we are changed from the inside out. And as any Christian will tell you, it takes a time. It takes a long time for our hardened hearts to change. There are many, many bits of darkness and impurity that still lurk in the depths of our soul that Jesus needs to reach down and deal with. What Jesus says here about loving God 
and loving one another only makes sense when we see it within Matthew's larger gospel of Jesus dying for the sins of the world and rising again with this message and this promise of new life. And that's when these two commandments begin to come into the own, when they are seen not as orders to be obeyed in our own strength, but as invitations and as promises to a new way of life in which bit by bit, hatred and pride can be left behind and love can become a reality. Following Jesus is an intention. It has to be a conscious decision to want to live a life of love. You have to be intentional about realizing that the life that you lived without him had not been the best that it could be. And it's time now to make a change. It's time to make sacrifices and be intentional if you are going to win the race that is set before you. It's time to make God your priority and loving others a priority as well. As you know, we run a recovery group on a Tuesday and one of the things that I really love about recovery is the 12-step program. It is an intentional discipleship program. If you just go to AANACA meetings, you're not going to change. Just being there doesn't change us. Just like being at church on a Sunday doesn't change us. You have to make that conscious decision to want to do something different. This is a a shortened summary of the 12 steps. And to me, it's no wonder it's a Christian program because they're all based around God. I know they've been modified uh, for more of a secular community now. But it's about intentionally living. It's about making steps, wanting to change, to be transformed. And is that not what we are asked to do as the Christian life? So my question is, what will you be intentional about in 2020? Will worship, being transformed by the inside out, will your love for God be intentional? How are you going to spend your time and your resources? Is it going to be what you want it to be about? Or are things going to be dictated by others or by the TV or by social media? In the end of last year, we had a couple of sermon series about having a better life, the choices that we need to make. It is a step-by-step process. As I've said before, there is no magic fairy dust that's just going to come and make things easier for you. It is a conscious decision of, being, of making choices to the intentions that you want for your life, step by step. Do you want Jesus to be the boss of your life? Just imagine where you could be this time next year if you had set yourself some intentions today for yourself, for your work, for your family, for your marriage, for your finances, for us as a church. What are the intentions that you have on how you're going to spend your time and resources over the next 12 months or even the next decade? What would our community look like? What would our church look like? 
What would your workplace look like? What would your home look like? What would your school look like? Where you volunteer, all of those places. What would they look like if you had some intentions and then you set yourself to achieving them throughout the year? Again, you've had me say this before, but I'm going to invite you to join me today as we think about a new year. I know there's nothing special than um, a change in the calendar, but it is an opportunity for us to think about the hope that we have. And uh, I've not written this. It's something I found about 10 years ago, and I like to have a look at it every so often, and I wonder and invite you to join in with it with me today. And if you agree and feel like you want to, then perhaps we can say these things together today. you're not sure that you can, it's quite all right to just listen to the rest of us. Some of you will have seen this before. If you're willing, shall we say together, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The love of God controls me. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, and small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, mundane talking, cheap giving, and insignificance. I no longer need prosperity, position, promotion, preeminence, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded, and now live by faith, lean on his presence, Walk in patience, live by prayer, and labor with power. My face is set. My goal is the kingdom of God. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide reliable. My mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversaries, negotiate at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, spoken up for the cause of Christ. I must go until he comes, give until I drop, Teach until all know, 
Run until he stops me. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Let's have a life of intentional worship as we go about being a disciple of Jesus. You are welcome to hold on to that if you'd like to keep it. That is fine. But let's pray and we'll worship again as we prepare our hearts for communion. Holy Father, we just thank you that you call us, that you love us, that you sent Jesus so we may know what you ask of us. We thank you, Lord, that it is clear to love and to love again and again and again and to love more. So, Lord, I pray today that you will fill our hearts with love abounding, love overflowing. And where they've hardened, Lord, will you soft them and let the power of your Holy Spirit repair them with love to be able to love again. And Lord, as we look at ourselves, as we think about how we spend our time and resources, Is it a demonstration of love? Is it loving intentionally? So Lord, come. We are here for you and we want to serve you again and again. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.